The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. We are loaded up, man. We are almost packed up as we hit the road for Minneapolis here as soon as the show is done. And if you are making your way to Gopherville, find us at The Graduate right across from uh, Gopher Stadium. I always would screw up what the the <laughs> the bank name was, and now it's a different name. So forgive me there. So I'm just calling it Gopher Stadium. So we'll be uh, at the graduate four to six tomorrow afternoon. The pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, is chaperoning this road trip. Elijah will be rocking it back here uh, on the stream yard with us, and then of course the weekend edition seven to nine a.m. when you're up with your kegs and eggs on Saturday morning, maybe a little bloody buddy. Uh, We'll get you ready for Nebraska-Minnesota. Then Real Red Reaction follows from the graduate uh, across the stadium. It's got to be a different, not vibe or feel, but just it's got to be a different result. It's got to be a different result from uh, 2019, where Searles and I were up there, and out of sympathy, Gopher fans were buying us shots of screwball (laughs) because it was 34-7. to And it was just an absolute thrashing. And it was about, what, 25 degrees outside? That was fine in the booth. Fine but, in the booth. But, but yes, it was, it was cold, about 60 degrees for kickoff, and it's going to be a grown man football on Saturday with uh, the Gophers doing six, seven offensive linemen, and it's just going to be plow forward, second and eight, third and seven, and then what happens on third down. So we'll get into all of that coming up in about 15 minutes. Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Vogue's going to join us and talk some Big Red. Um, so that'll be good. Uh, we'll get his thoughts, uh, a little preview of his podcast for sure, and maybe sneak in a little bit of volleyball. In hour two, our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, uh, standout Husker, NFLer. He's going to be with us at 5, get his take uh, from the, the, the film perspective, and hopefully you follow Searles on Twitter to, to get his video breakdowns. But Searles with us at 5. Uh, Gary Barnett, he has seen Minnesota up close and personal as they routed the Buffs in the uh, third week of the season, 31 nothing. So Coach Barnett will give us his take on Minnesota and Nebraska. And then best bets with Danny Burke from the VEASAN Sports Network. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. 
5865. Find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, send your emails. Chris at HaleVarsity.com can get you some of your predictions, call your shots. We can uh, read some of those tomorrow while we're at uh, the graduates uh, on the road in Minneapolis. Another road show powered by your friends at Aero Brokerage and Ferris Financial Group. Elijah, we got plenty to get to. We'll hear from Scott Frost. We'll hear from Coach Frost and Trev Alberts. And uh, a few excerpts from uh, the Bussin' with the Boys episode that dropped so a, a few thoughts from from Frosty and, and Trev with uh, uh, Blackshirt Will Compton. That was a, a great episode that Will had. So some questions I have as we get into Nebraska, Minnesota. Two things I, I don't know, but I'm thinking will will be the tale of the tape, right? How much Adrian? How much Adrian is going to be necessary? And there's no wrong answer with maximum usage. You need to get out of Dodge with the win. If that means he's got 17 carries, so be it. If that means it's a Northwestern performance where you're able to just get explosive plays and he has minimal touches and carries, right? What, five five carries? I mean, it was, it was a light day for him running the football. Uh, or not light. I mean, he had some some monster runs and some some big time throws. But the point is, is Minnesota's physical defense, and you're at the tail end trying to get to this finish line. You don't need him getting cracked or jacked uh, like he did against Sparty. And he's been playing uh, like such a warrior throughout this season in this schedule. Some really tough teams. So, you know, can Nebraska continue? to improve their, their running effort. Uh, Ramir Johnson's lathered up. He is uh, a back that has done well. He has really been able to, to pick his spots and really kind of hit his spurt, his stride, that second half, catching the football, running the football against Michigan, against a really good defense. So, you know, Ramir, uh, Yant, and then who else, right? And then you, you've got the the tight ends you can use to take some of those uh, those flat routes or or out routes to get you about six to seven on first down if you want to use the short passing game. Can Nebraska be better over the middle throwing the football? Because I think Nebraska's probably got some speed and athleticism advantages when we just talk about trying to get some mismatches, getting Nebraska's tight ends and some of their crossing routes on those Minnesota linebackers. Got to protect. I mean, Minnesota's got a good pressure defense and that's the other part of this here ben hart's a storyline of course because he's going home he's gotten up off the mat good for him same with turner he's getting more comfortable as he he is back at it so you have, you have your 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 old lineup but your different lineup uh at, at tackle for nebraska but quite honestly nebraska is going to have to to do work running the football we say that every week ran for 144 against michigan michigan went for two bills and, and that's a concern because the, the cumulative effect of these back-to-back-to-back matchups taking Northwestern out of the equation, uh, I mean, it's, it's been a death march. And, and Nebraska, I think, mentally and physically will be okay uh, to, to get to uh, some vacation time for a week. But it, it isn't going to be easy for them. And, and I don't know what to make of uh, the Gopher D. They're the second-best rush defense in the Big Ten, but they've also uh, had a Bowling Green where they allowed 129 yards and 
make that uh, Bowling Green's rushing rank is 129, so they don't run the football, yet they still won 14-10. to And Purdue, really no semblance of a run game, and that was a slog fast 20-13, to where Minnesota went and won on the road before their bye week. Purdue doesn't run the football, so maybe they are that good or they've been that fortunate with who they've played running the football. Yeah, I think the bigger question for this Nebraska offense is who's going to be the, the pass catcher that steps up? Uh, I mean, it feels like it's been a different guy stepping up out of that wide receiver court every single week, being the guy who's uh, the Adrian's favorite target any given week. Uh, it felt like it was really a lot of Samari Toure earlier in the year, and then defenses have adjusted. They've started blanketing him a little more. They opened up Omar and Xavier Betts, who have now kind of seemed to fall out of the equation a little bit. Now it's Oliver Martin and Levi Falk. Who's going to be that guy that steps up for Nebraska in the receiving game? Because that's where Nebraska's been getting the majority of their explosive plays on offense. Whether it's uh, Adrian dropping back, seeing nobody and scrambling and picking up uh, some yardage, or whether it's Adrian dropping back and finding his guy going for 40, 50 yards. That's where Nebraska's explosiveness has come from on offense, and that's really what Nebraska's offense is built on as a whole is that explosiveness. So who's going to be the the wide receiver who steps up and gets six targets in the game, gets five catches, 100 yards? Who's that guy going to be? I have no idea. Well, you know, Omar, uh, you could see more of Omar this weekend. Toure's been good. I mean, he still has 550 in receiving yards. He's a bang-for-your-buck type guy with the big play. But I'm, I'm okay with attacking uh, Minnesota uh, similar to like they did with the, the tight end work. I mean, mm-hmm. Austin Allen did a really nice job against Northwestern. Uh, he was targeted quite a bit uh, this last weekend as well. And you saw the pop pass, the big play. Both your tight ends can, can do work. They can be an answer for you uh, based on what Coach Lubick said Wednesday, Tuesday of this week. I think you're going to see a healthier, more fluid bets. You get that rib injury for a wideout. You know what I mean? It's 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 hard to, uh, to, 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 to navigate through that with those it's, guys. It's hard to go over the middle whenever you're, you're exposing <laughs> yeah. yourself to a safety coming downhill. Or, or just the amount of grabbing that goes on, mm-hmm. right, uh, if press coverage is an option for a defense. But I think you'll see a better bets because he'll be healthy. So, no, Nebraska will have – and you can continue to, to, to look at Ramirez in the passing game as well. So, Nebraska will have options. Uh, the key thing for me, and it's always this way with situational football, Nebraska has been really good uh, in some of their, their their key matchups in the red zone defensively. Uh, four, four holds and field goals for Michigan. You look at the, the points Michigan State scored. Well, it should have been five if there wasn't that pass interference call. I, I totally get you. Uh, you look at the Michigan State game where, where those guys were held to just threes. And then, a, and then a special teams return. They, they scored off of the flea flicker, but, but that was it. That was their only touchdown. So Nebraska has been just killer in the red zone. They'll have to be that way again Saturday where it's threes instead of sevens. And third down will be, be big time because Minnesota is going to want to keep the football. Minnesota is going to want to body punch away a la Michigan and as much – mileage has been put on this defense you don't want those guys out there for eight minute drives multiple eight minute drives in a football game you don't want an 11 play 91 yard drive like michigan pulled off uh to to reclaim the lead different animal michigan to minnesota but just from a from a sheer wear and tear standpoint uh, the Nebraska defense needs to be able to get some three and outs, keep it in third and nine, right? Where, all right, uh, Tanner Morgan, you've got to beat us throwing the football without 
multiple NFL wide receivers. You still got one. And I'll say this. I think you're going to be wowed by by Irving the back. Minnesota's recruited incredible running backs since Fleck's been there. He inherited some really good Fleck, uh, some really good running backs with the Jerry Kill era. Uh, they had tremendous talent. So Nebraska going to have to be on point, uh, be ready for a big-time battle and for sure tackle. All obvious comments about tackling in third and nine situations, but that's going to need to be the script for Nebraska. And different team, different football team uh, with this gopher squad than we saw against Ohio State, where they were kind of within a one-score ball game most of that most of that outing. And Ohio State's talent just, just took over. But they're a far cry from that 30 nothing shutout uh, against Colorado, where they lost to Bowling Green. Uh, good gut check comeback for them at Purdue. And now here comes Nebraska. Fleck 3-1 and one against the Big Red. So it's it's a task. Four's the number. Uh, as you uh, look at that for your uh, entertainment purposes only, let's hear a little bit from, from Scott Frost, specifically on the energy, because that's been a question mark. Do you have enough left in the tank to, to stand up Saturday morning? It's been good. They they go to work the same way every week. They know they got basically three days left, and they get a they get a break. So everything we got will be poured into this one. Well, keep it on, keep on pouring, right? That that bottomless pitcher uh, <laughs> that uh, that you can have uh, in celebration if Nebraska gets a road win. But no, the ener- and the other part of this too, Nebraska is going to have to amp up. They're they're going to have to go want to just take take the continue that that frustration that they've had and take it out on somebody come with that energy i don't worry about that i think you've got really good leadership we'll hear from scott frost in a moment on that but uh it's i don't want to say ghost town but it'll be sleepy it'll be sleepy saturday morning but i think what helps nebraska here is a in practice and B in the game is that they have a lot of depth in a lot of areas. Uh, whether we look at running back, wide receiver, defensive line, linebacker in the secondary, there is depth everywhere where if you don't bring it for a week of practice, this coaching staff has shown they're willing to put you on the bench and let the next guy up who had a good week of practice go. Or if you show up in the game and, and you're not doing your job early, you don't have that energy, there's going to be somebody on the bench who is going to be looking forward to, to getting their opportunity and making the most of it. That's what the difference has been in this year's team. The only place where I really don't see that, that depth is the offensive line. Uh, so so if the offensive line doesn't come out playing their best, it could be bad news bears for the Huskers. But everywhere else, I think Nebraska has a good reason to have energy because if you don't bring the energy, there's a, a, the next guy up mentality. The next guy is ready to come take your job. He's going to bring the energy. That competition's been huge. I mean, you hear about it all the time. Well, we want great competition. They have it. They have it. And you've seen a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, Quinn and Newsom really battle hard and have to fend off a five-star, and you've seen him really up his game physically, and he's been nails in coverage. He earned a black shirt uh, this week. More from Coach Frost on Newsom's emergence. That was a question mark going in, and both corners have played at a really high level this year. I think it's fair to say Cam's tried to do a little bit too much, came back into his, his own realm, so to speak, last week, had a great ball game. Cam Taylor-Britt, incredible uh, along with JoJo last weekend defensively. But uh, the guy that's not been a liability, he's been a strength, has been Newsom. He's been uh, playing well. Um, he is doing what he's supposed to do. 
you know, people challenged him a lot early on, and uh, he's he's been playing tough and coming up and hitting. So he we he he didn't he wasn't given the black shirt; he earned it, and expect a lot more good games from him. Well, I don't believe the the staff or the players are are worried about focus and want to and and being down after an another emotionally crushing loss where you're so close to make a statement. Last thought here from Frost uh, when it comes to the pure leadership and that reset that they've hit. Yeah, we got the best leadership we've had. Damien's doing a great job. Austin's doing a great job. Adrian's doing a great job. Deontay, all, you know, all the guys that you would expect are doing a great job and keeping everybody in line. So that is, um, that. it's got to come from the locker room at some point in the year. And uh, Nebraska trying to finish this stretch strong. We'll get thoughts from Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine shortly. On the task in uh, Minnesota, it is uh, Nebraska Gophers Saturday Roadshow for us tomorrow. Right across from the stadium at the Graduate of Tale of City, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. We're efforting our dear friend, Brandon Vogel, from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll see if he is able to, to check in. A little bit more on, on Minnesota here with what their, uh, their, their plan has been. And, you know, you heard Glenn Mason talk about it yesterday, just where they're at. And it's been a far cry. And, and I think all the praise for Tanner Morgan two years ago is... A surefire NFL guy. You'd heard some of them murmurs, some of their some of those whispers. Morgan's a good ball player, right? Morgan's a guy that that lost his father this this summer. Uh, Morgan's also a guy right now just around fifty two percent. So he's he's not what he was, but he's only been able to throw seven passes to Chris Ottman Bell, who's just been killing it since his freshman year. <laughs> I mean. So that's been difficult. Uh, Daniel Jackson's been their leading receiver, 14 catches. But overall right now, just a a whopping four touchdown passes this year for uh, the Minnesota passing attack. Now, if you have Mo and you had Potts, I mean, that's that's your bread and butter. That's where you're going to lean. And now Wisconsin is... uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota's uh, really kind of down in it. So Nebraska is going to have to load up, grind down, make it third and passing, and then just get off the field. There's there's your easier said than done recipe. Let's uh, get into some of the bussing with the boys and uh, Scott Frost and, and Trev Alberts sitting down. That was released. Good stuff from Will Compton and. You know, the interview was was really cool. There was no air conditioning in the bus. Will's been on the show a number of times, not only with his career at Nebraska, but uh, when he was uh, in, in the NFL, and uh, hopefully that happens again for him soon. So, yeah, Trev suited up. <laughs> uh, so Trev was suited up and, and sweating away, but uh, Will Compton, Trev Alberts here, and Trev's return to Lincoln. 
I don't know of any other place uh, that people care as much as they do for Nebraska football. And I just, I still walk in my office every now and again. I, I cannot believe that I get to serve as the athletic director at the University of Nebraska. I think back to those days like you did when you know, I'm walking around this campus and the thought of, I mean, Bob Devaney was the athletic director yeah. when I was here. But no, this, this, place, is, uh, this place is incredible. And, uh, you know, there's so many people before Scott and I that invested so much to make this place what it is. And, um, you know, our job is to be good stewards of the roles we have and, um, you know, work as hard as we possibly can. And, and we're doing that. Uh, we're not perfect, uh, but I, I'm really proud of, of where we are. Trev's always super humble with just what, what he wants to do at Nebraska. And, it, and it's out of service, right? That's the tone. That's the tenor. It's not... Hey, dude, I'm Trev Alberts. I'm your boss and your boss. And no, you'll make big boy decisions. There's a, a way about going to work every day that made him great as a player and as a broadcaster and as an athletic director at other places. But he brings that to Lincoln uh, full tilt. More from uh, the Bussin episode, another excerpt here with Frost, Trev and uh, Will. There's good and bad fans everywhere. I think Nebraska has more good fans than almost anywhere in the country. You know, we we've had a lot of work to do, and it's been great having the support of the fans. You know, Trev said it: the the best people in the country live in the Midwest and live in Nebraska. Mm. Hey, say that again. Say that again. Say that again. The Go best, ahead. The best people in the country live in the Midwest and live in Nebraska. And I'm Nebraskan, so I'm biased, but that's the way I feel. And yeah, there's going to be good and bad everywhere, but I really appreciate the the support that we get. Fan base has been engaged, and it's it's been a it's been a funny road this year. If we, if we just rewind back to the 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 build up, the weight put on Illinois, the fallout post Illinois, the way the kids and the staff went back to work following Illinois. And then they built up. And then the surprise in Norman. Wow. Chance to win this thing. Wow. Nebraska put a drive together and and cut it down to less than a touchdown. How about those black shirts against this Big 12 offense? I mean, it, it was it was really cool to, to go watch that, be down there, doing uh, doing broadcast down there and see Okay, you thought the defense with all the super seniors and the experience and the strength and conditioning and the fundamentals and all that stuff would be good. But man, they they gave you a shot to win. They gave you a, a great chance to win. And then you've seen it, the fans, I think, stick with it. Okay, nice surprise. How do they, how do they go against Sparty? Well, oh man, right there. Uh, and played again well enough to win with some maddening mishaps still. And then I think what, what drew you, you know, the old Godfather three Al Pacino, or if you're a Sopranos fan with, with, uh, with Silsan uh, doing the impersonation of Pacino, uh, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. I think that the, the Northwestern game really was kind of an exclamation point with just what this team's made of. 
Yeah, and I heard somebody uh, say that that Northwestern game, uh, someone my age say, uh, that is the closest I have felt to what it must have felt like to go to school here in the 90s. Whenever you show you up to Memorial Stadium and you somebody. go smoke somebody. And I got to experience that a little bit in my childhood. But it, it was, it's been a long time since Nebraska has gone and smoked a, a conference foe at home like that. Uh, it's been a while. But I want to get your take on this because he said the fact that there's good ones and bad ones. There was some some toxicity from some Husker fans, whether it be this offseason after Illinois, uh, just within the past couple of years. And we were talking er- earlier this week about that uh, that Mitt Sherman story on the uh, the coaching search back in 2003, uh, where the fans got pretty toxic at that point, too. I mean, do, do you... You've had a toxic run, and the fans, God love you, because you're... You drive it. You've been going since 1962. You've been going on the road... Uh, with the big red army filling up Boulder, <laughs> okay. I mean, pick pick a pick a venue. You go. You shell out your dollars and your emotions, and you're there. And Trev gets that. Scott gets that. They are appreciative of that. And no, I mean, the fans. And it's and it's been a, we talk cumulative mileage, right, on the defense. Well, it's been that way since back to Mitch's article where you, you blew up the fan base, where not everyone may have been a Frank guy, but you're going to make a change and make a move. You don't go worse. And you don't get away from what made Nebraska a winner, and that was development. That was developing guys and having a walk-on program and basically how they practiced, okay? There's been tweaks and changes post-Solich with pick a staff and their philosophy on how to practice and develop and recruit. But overall, it's just been one. You know what it's been like? It's been like these losses this year where they've they've ripped out your heart because you, you get up for a season, you get up for a game, and you get curb stomped, embarrassed, and it's on to the next coaching staff or athletic director or chancellor or president or all. So, yeah, it's been a constant waterfall of change. Now you feel like it's some, there's some stabilization going on, not only with the football team, with the effort they're giving, how, how well they're playing, and the fact they've kind of made you proud if you're a Nebraska fan. They've also ticked you off. You've been frustrated, which I get it, because you want to get some wins. But you see that light now. Uh, prior, even post-Illinois, you were wondering. That, is, that, that has gone away. The, the, the question about the direction of the program, not, not for everybody, but you can see improvement. Uh, this is more uh, from Bussin here and uh, Will Compton, his sit-down with Scott Frost, his sit-down with Trev Alberts here uh, when it comes to the remaining hurdles of the rebuild. And uh, pretty insightful stuff here from Coach Frost. What's great about this team is uh, we came back from Michigan State and I had a meeting with our unity council. And those guys told me they were more confident in the team and who they were after that game than they were when they were 0-0, zero zero, uh, despite a couple heartbreaks. Um, there's been a lot to get better. We need to get bigger. We need to get faster. We need to get stronger. We need to get tougher. Um, a lot of those things have come along. The The team's playing well enough to play with and, and beat about anybody it plays, and that's great. Our locker room needs to hold everybody accountable to do their job. And, and really, despite all those challenges and improvements that needed to be made, I'd say the biggest one is um, the belief. You know how when you go into a game, you think, okay, we can win this game. 
or you think we're going to win this game. And, and when you have a mindset that we're going to win this game, then you find a way to make the play to win the game. And that's been the most challenging hurdle to get over. Well, yeah, and you got to go do it. <laughs> you got to see it realized. Uh, you need proof of concept. You had a great opportunity last week. And Michigan's bordering. They handle things on, a play, on being a playoff team. We'll see how the, the second half of the Big Ten season plays out with uh, that, that round robin of four, right? Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Sparty. They're all going to play each other and whack one another. The thing that I think most Nebraska fans, and I think you and I, as we look at this team and cover this team, you're still not ready to, to just say, okay, the coast is clear. I just I don't think you, you can be because of, of Minnesota, the, uh, the environment – you're, you're walking into just how physical they are, the, where, where we're at in the season and where they're at in the season. And, and just the track record of this Husker team over the past three years. You, I feel different, though, about, about this team not tanking, not, not, not getting annihilated or quitting, but, I mean, tanking, having that oops misstep. They've, well, they've, like had, they've, had, like they've had a lot of had it. Yeah, well, they've had a, they, would, they would have checked out by now and said the hell with it if they weren't all in. Mm-hmm. And but you still can't ever. It's not ever a sure thing as you continue the build, right? So that's that's why it's the way Nebraska's offense is playing, the way the defense is going, uh, coming off of a Michigan outing where you 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 had a you had a sip of beer, right, and it tasted good, uh, but you just you spilled the beer. So I, I think they'll come out ready to go. But you just never, ever know because you're not to the point where you've won some one-score games. You're not to the point where you're winning constantly or consistently on the road. You're not to the point where you're not turning the football over. You've had one week of good special teams coverage, not multiple weeks of good special teams coverage. So Coast didn't clear by any means. But they're, uh, they're right where they need to be mentally. See if they can take it home on Saturday. Uh, we'll wind down this first hour next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to get in. 466-377-6800-825-5865. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. We're talking about uh, how you feel about Saturday. Is the coast clear? And uh, maybe some of you feel that way, where Nebraska's to a point where, all right, there's not going to be any drama. They're going to go handle business against a team they're favored to beat. They're healthier than, and uh, some a lot of years, quite honestly, of of, of some payback opportunity. Flex three and zero, make that uh, two and one. <laughs> that would have that would have been a bad uh, misstep. Oh yeah, the first Big Ten win ever was half a hundred by Frost and Company uh, in 18. They uh, unleashed the fury there. Vic chimes in uh, my, C- my C Nebraska Live tax has been about two grand this year. Uh, five days of laryngitis and a fairly strong hangover. I can see the coast. Not sure if it's clear. Maybe a little fog, perhaps. But, no. It, this This will be... Each week, each game, it's just been a new choose-your-own-adventure. And 
twists and turns. And uh, we'll see where Nebraska goes to, to handle their uh, business. But, but still, but still, there's been progress in every game, despite the fact that it's still Nebraska finding a way to lose games still. Uh, it was progress along the offensive line for that Northwestern game. There was sure. progress on special teams uh, for that Michigan game. It feels like they've been making a stride in at least one area every single game, every single week. So well, defensively, the, back to Sparty, I mean, it was just straight up lockdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was which was huge. I mean, where does this team? I mean, the team needs to make progress in the two minute drill and taking care of the ball. Complimentary football, yeah, like yeah. Jacob was talking, but you saw a, a glimmer of complimentary football against Oklahoma, where the defense was there, and then the offense kind of picked things up a little bit. Didn't didn't do enough, but at least it wasn't one sided, right? So uh, let's hear about Scott Frost and. The, the problems right back to this uh, this this build and uh, there's a shift where you're trying to put fires out right uh, and focusing on problems and eventually how much time and energy are you are you putting into that versus all right there's no more problems or there's minimal problems or that stuff that the team team can handle versus it being a coaching or coaching staff issue. You know what we did last week? is Because there's been some things happening to us. I can't even anticipate them happening. It, it's just, it's been, you know, how, how the heck did that <laughs> happen? Right, right. Right? And what we did last week is it just trying a new tack with them. I, I think I talked to the team about for three years we've been fixing this and fixing this and fixing this and fixing this. And that's all fine, except then you're focusing on the problems. And I don't want a team focusing on the problems anymore. So I asked him, "What what do you do? What do you do when you're playing Madden with somebody and it's twenty-one nothing? You tell them to get off the sticks and you hit reset, <laughs> right?" So I told the guys, "Let's hit reset." And I asked the O line, "How many times have we false started this year?" And they said, "Too many, coach." I said, "Uh, uh-uh, zero. It's not a problem." And I, I want them to stop focusing on the problems, and I want them to start focusing on what they need to do to win the game. And they they came out and played well last week, so we're hitting reset again. Um, we haven't given up any flea flickers. We haven't missed any PATs. It's not a problem, and we're going to get our job done. Hit reset. Were you that guy that after he smashed his controller would hit reset? My brother, God love him, he would he would lose it. And I'd never beat him. Like, I'd never beat him in NBA Jam, or I'd never beat him really that often in Tecmo or even Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. I mean, my record against him's maybe two and seven hundred or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But the the times I got him, oh, he got pissed. <laughs> that was me. And, and he he just he, he would ragdoll the controller, and then he'd hit reset. Yeah, I've never no. been a reset guy. If you're getting your butt kicked. You'd wait till the other players say, "Do you want to want to play again?" No, you wait till the guy says, "All right, you want to invoke the mercy rule here?" Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Or, or do you, you want to scream, Uncle? Well, because that's the thing is, whenever I'm sitting there all steaming, because the thing is, is what I'll say is, if you're down 21 points in Madden and you're going to quit, that's a quitter's mentality. Down 21 is still anyone's game in Madden because. Lord knows no defense. Lord knows it's impossible to run the football on Madden nowadays. So it it comes down to the fact that you got to bank on the fact that you're going to get an interception or two coming down, and you can turn one of those into a pick six. It's it's uh, NBA 2K. When you're down 21 points in that, that's an official skunking. That's when you when you (laughs) shut it off. And if if I'm the one who is now lost by 21, I need to press pause. I need to step away for 10 minutes, get my blood pressure down, and then I'll come back and press reset. Do you guys gamble (laughs) on it? 
Um, no, but we did do this fun thing uh, during uh, the entire like pandemic, whenever mm-hmm. we were just stuck at home all day, where we got a whiteboard. And we ended up tracking our wins and losses between me and my roommates and all the oh games that we played. God. So we ended up playing. So NBA 2K games, if you, if you don't know, if you're sitting at home and you're not a gamer, those things will take like 45 minutes at times. Uh, they're long ones. And we ended up playing as a house collectively 150 games of NBA 2K over the course of the uh, the COVID pandemic. And I ended up with the best record. I ended up like 43 and 21. Uh, I had a pretty good COVID uh, I got my uh, my butt kicked in Mortal Kombat a few too many times, though. Not my game. That's okay. Uh, let's talk football for a minute. We'll, we'll hear. <laughs> yeah, that was that was, a no, long that was fine. That was okay. <laughs> we'll uh, hear from Jeremiah Searles in fifteen minutes. Uh, Gary Barnett coming up at five twenty-five, and then we'll uh, check in with the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, with the Veasan Sports Network. A thought when it comes to Nebraska's rush defense. Because that'll that'll be part of the tale of the tape as well. You've got Nebraska allowing 133 yards a contest. That's 11th. Do you consider Nebraska's run defense good? Is it adequate? And I just told you they're they're 11th out of 14. I will say this in their defense that everybody in the Big Ten's pretty incredible this year. I mean, defensively. Iowa's really good. Michigan's Michigan. Minnesota's number two, 77 yards a game. But that's, again, in context with who they've played. Ohio State wasn't great. They've gotten better. I would put Nebraska's rush defense. They they have looked very dependable. They have looked very stout. The first time they didn't was last week's second half. All season, I mean, all season long, they they and again they got gashed a little bit here and there by Oklahoma, but Oklahoma never hit the home run on them. I was waiting for that. Yeah, and that's what I'll say about this rush defense. It's been bend but don't break. That they'll the other team will pick up five six yard rushes and then second and three they're running the ball and that's whenever JoJo Dolan uh, springs Comes in the backfield back yeah. and, and gets a loss of two. They they step up when it counts in the run game. They haven't been uh, stymieing rushing attacks, but however they've been built on what this Eric Schneider defense is supposed to do. That's bend but don't break. And I I love the and, fact and that generate the big play. The there's right time, there's three to four guys around the football. I mean Nebraska doesn't get beat to the edge that often. A couple of times it's happened. All right, but they're they're not going to be perfect. Uh, your corners are not a liability at all. Your safeties have been good in run support. Your middle linebackers are fantastic, and you've got some some beef up the middle there with with Daniels and company. So while one thirty three ain't great, Northwestern did make a living. Michigan State sure as hell did make a living, and it came down to. If the offense would have had the ball a little bit better, a little bit longer in the first half, maybe they weren't as worn down against a really good rushing attack in Michigan with an amazing one-two back punch. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Roadshow tomorrow at the Graduate in Minneapolis, right across from Gopher Stadium. There, four to six on Friday, and again seven to nine a.m. Saturday morning. Real Red Reaction, three to five, or whenever we end. 
uh, following Nebraska, Minnesota, myself, and uh, Bill Dolman and Elijah Herbel. Reminder, who's helping send us on the road? Arrow Brokerage, your full-service real estate brokerage, uh, specialize in real estate investment, and they're operated by local investors, a mighty team that's there to help clients when it comes to buying, selling, staging, investing, and much more. Uh, be sure to get in contact with broker Jenny Limbach or Marcus Schmidt. Ways to get in touch with uh, Arrow Brokerage today is brokerage at aerolincoln.com. The website's aerolincoln.com backslash brokerage. And Facebook and Instagram is at aerolnk or at Arrow underscore Lincoln. Also uh, with Ferris Financial Group, they help uh, send us on our way. Ferris Financial Group, their goal to educate, coach, and help you work towards your investment goals. They specialize in strategy, can also help you with budgeting, planning, and overall strategy. If there's a time of transition, like a new job or a job change, they're there for you as well. And how about the retirement uh, plans for you? Ferris Financial Group, the way to go there. Contact Marcus Schmidt today at 402-525-6824 or marcus.schmidt at lpl.com. You can reach out at ferrisfinancialgroup.com. So are we ready to give the uh, the last pair of Stapleton seats away? You're no. not going to pocket those? Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to give them away. I want to go, but I, I got high school football here on uh, an ESPN Lincoln tomorrow night, so I'll be doing that. But Chris Stapleton, one of my favorite artists, uh, been getting a lot of uh, a lot of people calling in this week trying to get some tickets. Last chance here today. Yeah, let's hear a little Stapleton, brother. Get soothed. What number do we want to do here? Oh, that's a good question. I, I think we want to again give the people online listening a chance. So let's go caller ten. Elijah has set the number at ten. Caller ten right now four six six three seven seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six. 800-825-5865. Caller 10 makes it happen. One more pair of Chris Stapleton seats for you Friday. PBA. Enjoy it uh, with Hale Varsity and ESPN. Lincoln, reminder to buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelt can and will, re- will reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You can get in on the uh, 800 line as well. 1-800-825-5865 or 466-3776. Chris Stapleton, PBA. Incredible voice, talent. And uh, caller 10. Have you found 10 yet? There's been a 1,000 phone calls in. No, we, yeah, we're getting a ton of phone calls in here. Uh, still your chance to win, though, if you keep so you're, on calling So you're in. just waiting on that, that number 10. Are you at number 9 right now? No, I'm, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't divulge on the uh, That's double secret. I, I can't give a competitive advantage to the people at home. All right, coming up, Jeremiah Searles, our favorite sideline reporter with Nebraska and a longtime NFLer and Husker standout. Searles next. Barnett follows. Coach Barney on the way. And then your best bets with Danny Burke. Hour two with Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, getting ready for Nebraska-Minnesota. Our favorite sideline man who knows the great North well, uh, smoking folks as a member of the Viking offensive line for a number of years, Jeremiah Searles with his part of the Husker broadcast team at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, what do you know? Heading back up, I think you're the good luck charm. The last time Nebraska won in Minneapolis, uh, Terrell Newby went for a million yards, and you were on the sideline without sleeves. I was. I was on the sideline for that game. It was a fun game. I remember being really energetic, and hopefully we can bring some more of that this week because we need it. They're not going to wear the surrender whites again, I take it? I pray they do not. <laughs> I might burn the pa- I might burn the pants in the locker room if I get there early enough. There's a surrender white. <laughs> you're you're going to make sure that it's the the white uh, tops and, and red pants. Cheryl's let's Absolutely. go. Let's go back to uh, to to last Saturday night, man. What an atmosphere! What an opportunity! Great effort, man. And uh, Nebraska is is in games of consequence. It's heartache for a lot of the fans and you. Uh, you know, a former player where they're just right there. What did you take away from Michigan? What were some of the, the sights and sounds that you care to share from the sideline through that four-quarter slugfest? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, that's the most fun I've had at a Nebraska game or watching a Nebraska game since I played. Mm-hmm. I mean, that place was absolutely electric. The energy was amazing. And just overall, a really good football game. A classic Big Ten slugfest. Duke it out. Two really good teams getting after it back and forth and it was just a really fun football game to be a part of. And the more I watched, and I, I knew from the word go, and I've really kind of thought about this since Oklahoma, we physically can stand toe-to-toe with anyone in the country, especially anyone in the Big Ten. And we've proven that now the last few weeks with Michigan State, Northwestern, and Michigan. And so to see us be able to compete at that high of a level is something that's really, really fun for me to watch. And I know the execution wasn't quite there, quite there at the end, but just to see where we're at and to see where we can still go is really exciting as an alumni, as a sideline guy, and just an overall fan of Nebraska. I think we're trending in the, up, in, in the right direction in a big way. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, previewing Nebraska-Minnesota, recapping a bit of the Michigan game. And Searles, I, I think that Nebraska's just not on that. It's not even upset alert or or they're going to get killed alert. I just think that they've moved to a point where they're going to be competitive in, in about any or in every game. And you've got two next on the schedule that you've got to go handle your business. You're the better team uh, with, with the talent and the depth. Uh, and then you still got some, 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 some Moby Dicks out there with uh, the ranking and where they're at you know, in, in the playoff chase. I want to get your take because it was a topic of conversation while you were at Nebraska, and it's a topic of conversation now when it comes to turnovers and the quarterback spot. And I, you know, 
as a as a, a senior member of the offensive line and as many career starts as you had, did you ever go to to T Magic and and just address the turnover thing? Was that your place? And I ask that because, man, Adrian's so talented and dynamic and such a a vital part of the offense, but you also have the end of the Michigan game where it was a forced error where Michigan went and made a play. Is that something you guys, as a as a member of the offense, would, would bring up to, to your quarterback, ball security? I mean, yeah, I mean, you bring it up, but also you come about it in a way of respect, in a way of, hey, we're all in this thing together, because I, I said this before, too, and I'll say it, it's true about Taylor as well. The position to win the game at the end of the game uh, it falls a lot on the quarterback. And the question you have to ask yourself when you're like, man, well, he fumbled or he threw that interception or blah, 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 blah. You, you have to ask yourself, would we even be in this position if it wasn't for X player? Mm. And the answer is no. I mean, if Taylor or Adrian, interchangeable Martinez here, right? Mm-hmm. Whichever one got you to that position by using his feet, using his arm, whatever it might be, then you can't really blame him at the last second. Be like, well, you screwed it all up. It's like, well, would we even like Michigan State, right? If it's not, if Adrian Martinez is a magician, that's a 14 sack game. And so you look at it in that way, and you address it, but it's always from a place of love. It's a place from, hey, we got your back, but it obviously has to be addressed. And the thing I love about Adrian, he's never shied away from taking responsibility or shouldering responsibility for that, and that goes a really long way with your teammates. When you when you stand in front of the podium and you say, "Hey, I thought the play was dead, but that is no excuse for me to be irresponsible with the ball," then that goes a long way with your teammates because you're shouldering the responsibility. You're not pointing the finger; you're pointing the thumb. And I always really respected that as a player, and I'm sure these guys really respect that as him too because he's such a great leader for this team. Was was Saturday night kind of the final wake up call? With, with ball security, because he's not going to stop running it. If Nebraska still can't get three yards with their eye back on second down, they're going to ask Adrian to go get four yards on third and three. But was is that pain going to linger long enough to, to make sure it doesn't happen again? I think so. I think his, his heightened sense of urgency with ball security, I think it already was in a very, a very high I mean, and let's be real, this, this year he's been much better with ball security than he has been in the past years. I mean, I know he had the interception, the fumble at Illinois was inexcusable, but I feel like he's taken better care of the football. I feel like he's made better decisions with the football in his hands. And so this is kind of a, a tighten the ship up, right? Like, hey, we're not, we're not totally off course here, but let's just make sure we're all minding our P's and Q's, everything's bolted down. All of our, all of our attention to detail in all three phases, passing the game, passing the ball, running the football, snap, ball security, just all that ball security needs to be a heightened sense of awareness because when you are a good team and when you're playing an even better or equally good team like in Michigan, that's the difference. Those few mistakes of ball security are the difference. I mean, how different would this conversation be if Adrian doesn't fumble, we go in, and we're going, hey, McNamara gave us that one, right? And and so it's all the turnover stats, the number one stat you look at when you see it's a win-loss team, and we're getting better with it, but we still have a long way to go. Searles, I look back to to last season uh, where Nebraska only had one play of 50-plus yards, and then this year they already have nine plays of 50-plus yards. It's good for third in the country, and and I think a lot of that falls on the shoulders of Adrian Martinez and his ability to go make a play and make a throw. However, in crunch time this year, Adrian still finds a way to to make those mistakes. He's been shouldering the blame, but but what does that mean to you? 
You know, I think a lot of it is when those when crunch time happens like that, and it's a big time stage. Sometimes you can kind of bring yourself in a little bit. Sometimes you can try and play. I think what I've seen is he's played more in crunch times not to make a mistake versus hey, let's go win the game. And I don't think that was the case this past weekend. I really don't. That was, like you said, a forced error, a good play by the defense to rip that ball out. But you go back to the Illinois game, you go back to the Michigan State game, forcing the ball in there, or, I mean, the, they're just kind of confident up there in Illinois. Like Those are because I think he was playing really tight and afraid to make a mistake. The difference between now and the last few years is I think he's really trusting all his wide receivers between Levi Falk to Toure to Omar Manning to Oliver Martin to Austin Allen, Travis Wolkelec, I really think that he feels so trustworthy of those guys that he doesn't feel like he has to do it all anymore. And so I'd like when we see ourselves getting into those critical moments, those critical situations at end of game, end of half, that he really feels like he doesn't have to do anything different than he does the other 58 minutes of the game besides that two-minute window. And he just stays within himself and just keeps doing, letting the football come to him few minutes with Jeremiah Searles, part of the Nebraska broadcast team, sideline man, uh, multiple-year NFLer, and uh, standout Husker Hale Varsity Radio. Searles, I want to do a couple more seconds here on the two-minute drill. And you were a part of some pretty legendary two-minute drill drives, I think, of the, the back-to-back road wins in 12 on the way to a Big Ten title game appearance. Uh, does this team have it in them to, to finally – we talk about getting over the hump with the signature win – in Adrian's career, there's been a lot of two-minute drill opportunities when you look at the 5-16 and 16 record in one-score games. There's talent. Uh, Adrian can throw it. He can keep plays alive. you got a good receiving core. The O-line's got to protect. Are you surprised it's not happened with a two-minute drill you know, uh, game winner? I, I am, especially this year. And I will say this. The two-minute drill is so hard on an offense. I mean – you, you need to have that dude back there, and I think Adrian is that dude, but so much more comes into it than just having a good quarterback. I mean, it's an obvious passing situation, so they're going to have their best pass rushers in there. They're going to dial up their best blitzes, and really defensive coordinators sometimes have an entirely new scheme that they put in during two-minute drills because it depends. Are we protecting for field goal? Are we protecting the end zone? Are we protecting just one first down? Like, what is the scheme that they put in? And it's completely new sometimes. And so it's a lot going on in a quick moment. And to be honest, Nebraska is not really built to protect straight drop back protection. Um, we have two really young tackles, Ben Hart, Kirk Turner, Teddy, whichever ones are in there. And when you're faced up against really good pass rushers, which we've faced in the last few weeks, that's not what we're built for. And so I think that that's been part of the reason that we you can't let the routes develop 20 yards down the field when you need a big chunk if you can't protect for three, four seconds. And so it's kind of been this perfect storm of protection hasn't been great, the receivers need to push the ball down the field, and Adrian needs to make something happen with his feet, which then can throw everything off. So I think that's kind of why it hasn't happened. But you see the big pass play to Toure right away, and that's when I'm like, okay, things are starting to click. Things are starting to get put together. It might have taken seven weeks, but I really think the two-minute drill has looked better um, in the last few weeks. Searles, let's go to the tackles. Ben Hart returning home to, to Minnesota. Uh, we talked to, to Turner this week, and he's back at the left side. Uh, all the right things are being said. What do you expect from the tackles on the road against Minnesota this weekend? Yeah, so I actually, going back and watching the film, I thought that Bryce came in and played exceptionally well. He gave up the sack on the first play, but third and ten, coming in cold, 
that's that's a nightmare scenario. I mean, that's the stuff I still wake up in the middle of the night and have panic attacks about, right? <laughs> so you have that going on, and then Turner's flopping back to the left after practicing two straight re- weeks at right. He struggled at times, but I think now it's more solidified. Hey, this is going to be your role for the rest of the season. And so I, I see Ben Hart playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he handled it the right way. He didn't get pissed off, and he didn't cry transfer portal, and he didn't do any things. He just knew he had to go back to work, and he came in and played well. And so I expect him to keep playing well, and I think that's a bit of a wake-up call for him too. And then Turner's just such a gifted athlete. He's going to be a really good player for us for a long time. Getting him back out there to left tackle and letting him just settle in and not worry, hey, you're not going anywhere. We're just sitting here. And I expect a big game out of both those guys. I mean, Abafe for them, uh, the number 34, is a really talented edge rusher, and so they'll have their hand full again this week. Searles' concerns and uh, confidence Saturday. What do you think happens with uh, with Nebraska, Minnesota? Got to have it tight ball game. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Minnesota coming off the bye, they're going to have some wrinkles for us. I think they're going to have some trickery, some this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, the big thing is I watched that Minnesota-Purdue game. They love to put six, seven offensive linemen in the game and run it, run it, run it, low you to sleep, max protect, and throw it up to one of their receivers in a three-man route combination. And so defensively, we have to make sure we don't let them get into third and shorts, second and shorts. We have to win on first down. And I think our defense can do that against this group. And then offensively, we just need to score points and make this team play from behind. Minnesota's not built, like we're not built to protect the passer. Minnesota's not built to come back down 10, 15 points. So I think if we can get ahead on them, which I really think the offense can score on this defense, I think the team speed for Minnesota's defense is nowhere near what Michigan was. And we can get up on these guys early and kind of do what the Big Ten does, get in early, commit to the run. I feel pretty confident about this group going into Minneapolis on Saturday morning. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, our favorite sideline man. And uh, mentally, physically, it's, it's a challenge to keep bouncing back. Have you uh, had any inkling that this team's too beat up or, or too mentally wore out with so many heartbreaks? You know, I think it's galvanizing this team. I think every time that they get a little bit closer that pulls, and they don't get that win, they pull within each other a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then they got rewarded with the big Northwestern win, and they felt what that felt like, and they want to chase that high now. They got. It's not like we're on a five-game losing streak here. I know we've lost two out of the last three, but you win that big one against Northwestern, and you chase that high. And when you lose, and you lose as close as you are, and you get that close to getting there, I think it galvanizes them. I think they pull within each other. And I think that this is still a very confident group, and I think that they're hungry to go out and prove how good they really are. Thurls, do you worry about a letdown the week before a bye week? The team's looking forward to that bye, and they don't look at the challenge in front of them? No, I don't think so. I think the bye week is definitely a reward. It's definitely something you just can't wait to get to as a player. But there's nothing worse than going into a bye week after a loss because then you just sit there and chew on it for two weeks and you think about nothing but that loss for two weeks versus the flip side. You go into a bye week with a win, it helps you recover. It helps you get a little bit more of a juice and kind of reinvigorate yourself for that back part of the season as we go into. So a lot of incentives to get a win going into this because, like I said, I've gone into buys with losses before and it sucks. Searles, uh, we say goodbye a take or a reaction to Gruden? You're a longtime NFL guy. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, that's a no-no there. You can't say those type of things. You can't act like that. And, I mean, I'm sad for his family because I think when you when things like that come out, 
um, it's really easy to react and be like, man, what a bad, terrible guy. But the impact that it has on his family um, around him is the part that I'm sad about. And uh, I think it was the right thing to let him go and have him resign and, and move on. Uh, from there, and it'll be very curious to me to see how this Raiders organization can bounce back because they have a pretty good NFL team this year, and you don't really want to waste talent like that. I think that talent's looking to put film up and get get the hell out of Vegas, honestly. I would agree. I would agree with you. Searles, we'll see you in Minneapolis, brother. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Go Big Red. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could... Listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The golf tour continues for the Hall of Fame coach, and he'll be checking out some ball this weekend. Gary Barnett back with us. Coach, how's the uh, the roadie been? Chris, I'm... I played, got to play three days in the best place in the entire world for golf, a place called Pine Valley, number one golf course in the country for the last 25 years. And uh, I have a good friend who's a member, and we get to go, I get to go almost every year. So it's the hardest doggone golf course you've ever seen in your life. But uh, uh, it's it's still such a fun challenge to get out there and try your 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 skills against this doggone course it always wins but you think <laughs> it's going to be different <laughs> well that's you got to keep the mindset right this time it will be uh, be absolutely different but that's in jersey isn't it it is it's right outside philadelphia in clementon new jersey and it's uh it, it's really this understated great old golf course that's just such a challenge to try to play. Well, I'm glad you, you got out. That's pretty awesome. You get uh, an annual trip. Uh, keeping that mindset, it's going to be different this time. Uh, Nebraska's got to have that as they pack up for Minneapolis against uh, the Gophers and, and P.J. Fleck. What a what an atmosphere. What a, what a game against Michigan. Did you have a chance to check out any of it? I watched the uh, I watched the whole game, you know, and and the the whole thing came down to one turnover, you know. I mean, it really did. I mean, I I thought Northwest or excuse me, uh, Nebraska played a great game, uh, you know, and as did Michigan. Michigan played really hard too. I mean, it was just one. Of the, it, well, you know, last weekend there there couldn't have been a better Saturday for college football. Oh the games that were played last Saturday and you know the Nebraska Michigan game was just one of them but it was a great one as well you had just a loaded Saturday the Red River wildness you had Penn State and in Iowa that was uh, incredible of course we were in the press box coach Frost and Adrian everybody were wrapping up the post game as we saw A&M drill their game winner and that place went bananas. I mean, that it was just a incredible day for football. On and you've been a part of those too. I mean, there's no feeling like uh, like that big win, that big upset, and uh, especially if you're at home with the atmosphere, coach. Yeah, there, no question. At home always makes it a little sweeter, but it, it it's actually a little more sweet when you go in there and do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, for example. The the couple times that we were able to win at Nebraska, mm-hmm. that those were always the best. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what? There are no bad victories. Trust me. What what um, 
what's your read from afar on Nebraska? I mean, our up close interactions. This team's still locked in. They're uh, they're focused. They get a bye week finally for them next week, and they can kind of see the finish line. But they're not ignoring the the race still yet to run. And uh, do you worry about that? Did you ever worry about that with your teams uh, when it comes to how much is left in the old fuel tank? Um, sometimes, but you know, if you if if you've got the team, if they're buying in, then they can't wait to get out and play the next one. And you know, my my feel on on Nebraska is you know sort of what I saw Scott say was that we're really close. We're going to get one of these, and I I I agree with him. I mean. He's had what three really good, if there are such a things, good losses, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think it's going to happen. There's no question. And the team they're playing this week is a heck of a football team, and um, you know they're they're going to have their work cut out for them in this game. But I think they're really close. I think they're much improved. Uh, they just got to keep hitting a rock; it'll break. You just got to keep hitting it. Gary Barnett's with us. Few minutes. Hail Varsity Radio, Coach. What what did you do to to make sure when two-minute drill came, uh, your guys were ready. What was your practice uh, philosophy like for that situational element? And Nebraska has had a lot of two-minute drill opportunities the last three and a half years. It's not gone well. Well, we we just had a philosophy around the two-minute, and I, I've been very fortunate. We sort of developed that philosophy when I was at Colorado with Bill McCartney, and when we were a wishbone team, an option team, and yet I think we were either one or two in the country in scoring in the last two minutes of each quarter, of mm. each half. And it was just the philosophy is we're going to get first downs, we're going to get out of bounds, we're going to just move the clock, we're not necessarily trying to hit the big play, we're just going to move the ball, move the sticks, and get out of bounds. So, you know, play calls were directed at that, guys understood it and um for the most part the the teams that i was a part of were were really good in that situation and it's it's just a matter of drilling every week everybody spends usually a thursday on the the two minute part of their offense uh they spend two three periods on it and you always you always have something happen in one of those days, uh, in, in one of those periods where you, you really hadn't covered it. So you, you just keep a journal of all the things that can come up. So you coach through it. You, you, uh, you, you go from one year to the next and just coach all your guys to all the things that can happen and, and prepare them for it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's something that you do enough of it in practice and they're up tempo. Um, up tempo enough at Nebraska to where they're used to that. That was the always that always used to be the biggest problem was getting used to the up tempo after just a regular tempo. But now these teams are almost in two minute mm-hmm. offense all the time, so it's not a big deal. But you know we had a very simple philosophy about it. Everybody knew it. Everybody understand it, understood it. And you know we pretty much had the same plays. I mean we didn't change that many of the plays in that two minute situation. They still got to stop you, right? I mean, just do what you do well. Exactly right. Do what you do well. They still, you know, it's more pressure on them than there is on you is the way we looked at it. 
Coach, a couple of thoughts. What what do you say to your quarterback that has been turnover prone other than, you know, don't turn it over? That was a forced error uh, by by Michigan and and man, it was it was just gut wrenching for Adrian, but he uh, he's been really resilient. The second part is you've seen Minnesota up close and personal uh, in Boulder, and uh, I know they're they're kind of a walking wounded, but Fleck always seems to have his guys ready. Yes, they are. And, you know, as far as you just got to hang with your quarterback, Adrian's your quarterback. He's the guy that's going to do it. They're going to, they're, you know, they're going to go up or down with him. And you just got to hang with him. You know, that's that's all you can do as a coach is just he's your guy. Make sure he knows you're his guy. And then, you know, treat him like you would your son. Uh, as far as uh, Minnesota goes, Minnesota is a very physical defense. Um, they're, they're really good. I think they're struggling a little bit on offense. The quarterback hasn't had the kind of year he's, he'd had in the past. Uh, they've lost two really good running backs. Both of those guys were, were big time players. And so they're now at their third running back, but they're going to line up and play it with six and seven offensive linemen at time. Chris, I, I bet they played seven offensive linemen against us on 15 to 17 snaps in the game that we played them. And I'd say probably six offensive linemen in in another 30 to 35 snaps. So they, they're they built around their line. They take advantage of that. They muscle you. They mash you. Um, and they're not complicated. But you better line up and be ready to play in the trenches because they're, they're good there and they come after you. Ton of possessions going to be huge. A for Nebraska to have the ball, yeah. coach. B to keep your defense fresh. And Nebraska's defense has been really, really stout this year. But you could see them a fade a little bit just because they were on the field so much against Michigan. Same type of type of uh, problem Saturday morning with just the the time of possession element. Yeah, it is because you know defensively, like I said, Minnesota's good. So. Uh, as good as North or Nebraska's offense has been, uh, you know this this may be as stout a defense as they've seen. Hmm. So it's yeah, it's going to be a possession game, and and uh, they got to make Minnesota play their game. That's what they've got to do. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Coach. We'll hit some rapid fire: Georgia and Kentucky. Kentucky in the top ten. They. Head down between the hedges, kind of the, the, the highlight game of the SEC this weekend. Yeah, uh, you know, 23 and a half points. <laughs> I think that's too much. I think Kentucky's better than that. And I, I'd be surprised if that if Georgia covers that, that particular bet. I think Georgia wins, but I don't think they cover that thing. What's your take on uh, the Bayou? LSU, they uh having trouble selling seats for the Florida game, which – that never happens. That Florida LSU matchups, when they do happen, the crossover, they've been pretty special. Coach O, man, he's feeling it. He is feeling it. You're exactly right. And and um, you know, down there, they don't have a lot of patience with you. Uh, you know, the, Florida's favored by ten and a half in this game, or they were at the beginning of the week. I'm not sure what they are now, but uh you, you know lsu i think this is a must win for lsu i i think it's a must win for uh coach o uh i don't know that they can win it i just don't think lsu's playing at a level they need to play at and i don't know if they can turn that one around so i think florida wins but i don't like the ten and a half point spread 
What about uh, Okie State? They head to Texas. Can Texas get off the mat? Boy, that's a heck of a question. But, you know, Texas Texas is still pretty good. And I don't think Oklahoma State's got the offense that they need to beat this Texas team because Texas can put points on you. You know, they showed that against Oklahoma. But um, I don't know that that uh, Oklahoma state has the offense to, to counter it. So I sort of like Texas in this game. No panics for Indiana, but they get Sparty at home. That's a tight line as well. It is a tight line. It's a lot tighter than I thought it was going to be. Um, Chris, I, I, you know, I hate to ever go with Sparty <laughs> uh, and coach Tucker, but I, I, Almost have to since my reputation's on the line there here. So, <laughs> I think they win, but I don't want them to win. <laughs> Any worry for Iowa with Purdue? Purdue's had their number. No, I don't think so. I no. think Iowa can smell it now, uh-huh. and I, you know, that's a really good football team. And I don't know if you got a chance to watch that game, but that was man, nuts. that was a great football game. Last thought: What happens in Minneapolis? Nebraska win, cover, or is it another yeah. one possession? Wins, wins and covers. Okay, so there we have it, Gary Barnett, coach. Uh, safe travels. We'll get caught up soon. Thanks for a few minutes. Great being with you, Chris. Thank you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. It is time for the Pride of Chicago, Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke with us. His show, uh, Rush Hour, with the VEASAN Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. And, of course, the Danny Burke Podcast. Uh, Pride of Chicago, you're just taking over the world. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, Smitty. You know, I'm, uh, I, I got a better feeling, you know, being a uh, – alumnus, excuse me, of Nebraska after last week's performance. It seems like this team is on a better trajectory, which we were hoping was going to be the case afterward. And, you know, that's the sentiment right now. So can't complain too much. They are trending the right way, my friend. But, man, some wins would be really cool. (laughs) Oh, no kidding. Look, hey, you know, that game was – and, I, you know, I always come on here and I like to say how Nebraska shoots themselves in the foot. But at the same time, you know – after that fumble with Martinez, I wasn't even mad at the kid, to be honest. I mean, those guys played their hearts out. And, yeah, it's a bummer that that happened. And, of course, you didn't want that to be the end, the end result. But they played their butts off in that second half. And it was a heck of a performance. And for the most part, they've been covering this year. That's what's important. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's right. As long as they're putting some cash in our pockets, then it's even a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, good for both of you being more about the wins and the financing. Uh, uh-huh, right. Uh, as uh, Danny's wearing a new gold chain and Elijah's got a new vehicle. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> good teams win, great teams cover. cover. Yes, that's, that's exactly. the T-shirt. Well, does Nebraska win and cover? Saturday, we are uh, packing up the truckster. We are live from Minneapolis tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, Danny, how you feeling here? This has not been a good spot for the Big Red home or away. So originally, that was my thought here, and especially after such a big game against Michigan, I was thinking that this could not be like a trap game because he's still got to give some respect to Minnesota, but just a really tough spot for the Huskers. But you know what, Schmitty, I ended up playing Nebraska here when it was at about three and a half, actually paid a little bit more to buy it down to three. And what kind of swayed me a little bit more so is that there is a lot of movement toward Nebraska. I mean, two and a half was the opener, 
and now it's upwards to what, about four right now at most places? So it seems like some of the sharp money is respecting the Huskers going into this game, despite what I was just talking about maybe being a letdown spot. But then you take a look at Minnesota, and yeah, it's a home game, but how much of an advantage is it going to be? I mean, you think the fans are going to get up for this squad as of this point in this disappointing season they've winning season they've had when they lost the bowling green at home 14 to 10 like this minnesota team is so volatile and i think because like what we expected with nebraska after oklahoma right we're like okay you know that was a big game here comes the letdown spot you know after michigan state here comes the letdown spot against northwestern but that hasn't been the case i mean these guys are ready to go week in and week out and even though it's not racking up in the w column like frost has his guys prepared every week for the most part except for week zero but, Schmitty, I, I just think the trust and the talent right now is with the Huskers despite coming up short this past weekend. So if you can get it to three or buy it down to three at a respectable price, being like minus 120 or 125, it wouldn't go above that. But if you can do that, that's the way I would bet this game because I do think Nebraska ends up getting the job done. It's going to be a, a war on the lines of scrimmage, but Nebraska's, I think, mentality is where it needs to be, and, and I don't disagree with your thought there on, on just Nebraska not being a team that's, that's ready to just tap out. I think they're ready to hand out some slaps, to be quite honest with you. I think they're ready to, to try and finish this thing the right way. NFL tonight, not uh, a lot of comfort with the, the walking wounded with Tampa. No Levante, David. Uh, you're going to be dealing with a, a messed up thumb from Brady. We'll see how... That affects him, and Philly's got pass rush that always even can can sway an all-time great like Tom Brady. This number is pretty huge, don't you think? Minus seven on the road for Tampa? Yeah, I really do, and just because of those reasons you alluded to, Schmitty. I mean, their defense is incredibly banged up, and even Tom Brady is banged up. But I don't like to take the Tom Brady factor too much into account because despite him being injured, you know, he finds a way to win. Take all of last season, for example, where he had that leg injury that nobody knew about. But aside from that, I mean, you're right. It's a primetime game, and Brady seems to always play primetime games closer. I mean, going back to Foxborough, that one came down to the wire and against the Cowboys to start the season off. And this Philadelphia offense, I mean, they're hit or miss, but they do have enough talent to keep it close, especially because this Tampa Bay secondary, Schmitty, even if they were healthy, I mean, they're just atrocious this year to start. I mean, you know, the opposing quarterbacks are absolutely padding their stats against this Buccaneers defense, and it doesn't mean that that's going to give them the win, but at least in terms of keeping it close, I think it should do enough. So if you get seven, because a lot of books are at six and a half now, but if you get seven, I think taking the points is the right play with Philadelphia. And if you want to play the total, I think over would be the right move. But I also think if you can entertain some Jalen Hurts props, I think that could be a solid venture as well with his pass attempts over, you know, 37 and a half. And just his passing yards, if you get a 280 or lower, I think going over on that with Hurts is a good call. Danny, tell me about your Chicago Bears this weekend going off uh, against the Packers. I'm seeing the Packers as a five-point favorite, but we learned earlier today that uh, the Bears are down to third-string running back Khalil Herbert. So that was unfortunate. I was just finding that out, too, because after David Montgomery went out, you know, on my podcast, the Chicago City Cast, I was pretty much like, look, no David Montgomery, no problem. I mean, you're going against this Raiders defense that hasn't been anything impressive against the run, and Green Bay's virtually the same. They're also kind of Swiss cheese in their secondary and banged up. So I think the Bears can't keep it close. I don't like that Williams is out now, and it's not that he's that big of an impact, but when you're down to just your third stringer and Herbert, uh, it's a little worrisome. But this game was going to come down to the passing anyways. 
because the Bears secondary has given up about over 250 passing yards per game. Aaron Rodgers is going to do Aaron Rodgers things as he always does. It's just a matter of if Justin Fields and this offense can keep up. Because the Packers secondary, as I said, you know, really isn't that good. But Justin Fields, I don't think it's completed more than 12 passes in a game thus far. He needs to get to about 18 to 25 if the Bears want to be able to, you know, cover this number or outright win it. So if they can do that, I like taking the points in this division game with Chicago. But even more so, I think you're getting a solid look on this over. It's come down to about maybe 44 and a half. I wouldn't hate taking a look at the over because of the necessity for the air game to be involved in this spot. Danny Burks with us, Pride of Chicago, Burks' Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, his podcast, the Chicago City cast as well. Game of the weekend is going to be uh, the cards at Cleveland, and it is tight. It is Cleveland by a field goal at home. It's the two uh, OU Heisman winners going at it. Kyler Murray's been playing great ball. Uh, Baker and Chubb and company are or dynamite as well. You have a, an over-under, an in-game, or just a, a lean uh, with this one. So the way I played this game, Smitty, because this line opened three, went down to two and a half, but when it was at two and a half, I teased them up because that's a short road dog, you know, catching over plus one where you tease them up to the key numbers of three and seven. So instead of catching two and a half with Arizona, I teased them up to catching eight and a half against this team. And I know it's going to be windy conditions, so it's even better for the run, which is primarily all the Browns do. But I think because of that slower pace tempo, that'll even be better for Arizona to keep it close. And even aside from that, I still think Arizona can keep it within a touchdown against this Browns offense that isn't really explosive. So I like teasing up the Cardinals in that spot. The other team I actually included in that teaser uh, was the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers were catching three and a half originally against the Ravens. I think the line has settled to three, but... I don't see how there's that much faith in Baltimore as of this point. So I teased up the Chargers and the Cardinals and made that one teaser that I'm doing for this upcoming NFL slate. Gut says what game five, San Fran or L.A. baseball tonight? Uh, it's tough. And they just did the pitching change the last second, but they're still going to throw in Urias at, at some point, probably just a couple innings in. I think I got to go with the Giants. The Giants are a better team on the road. Dodgers struggled to hit, or uh, excuse me, Giants better team at home. Dodgers struggled to hit on the road. I got to go with San Fran. Everybody's been doubting them, but they find a way to win it. I think they do tonight. Danny, have a good show. Thanks for the time. Hey, you back, guys. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. We are packing the old truckster for Minnesota, Nebraska, Minnesota, live tomorrow from The Graduate. I need to bring a hot tub with me. Just tow one behind. And the place to get it from is, of course, Home Innovation Spas. Deb the Spa Lady. Deb, are you, are you ready for some football this weekend? You bet. Ready for some wins this weekend. I think we all are. So uh, we'll be we'll be at the store, though, and we'll be doing some great deals on spas. We've got spas in the showroom to take a look at. You need to come in, pick one out, get it ordered. And, you know, things are kind of moving a little bit faster now. So let's get a spa in your backyard for these nice, cool mornings and, and evenings. Go see Deb the Spa Lady, uh, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. So, Deb, folks could come see you 
if they need a halftime right. if they need a halftime plunge, right? Halftime well, of the game. Yeah, they could. It could relax them just a little bit for second half. <laughs> so come down and see us. We'd love to see you and show you what we have and uh, make you know make your winter. You can look forward to winter when you've got a hot tub. Well, Deb, you have uh, the choices, be it a two-seater, the swim spa. Uh, it's great for those humid summer nights with uh, turning the temp down or those brisk fall mornings like you're talking about. But when it comes to, to choices, pricing, and financing, you guys are second to none. We are, and we have the best uh, delivery crew, of course. Our guys are just fantastic and uh, always the best customer service after the sale so come see us and let's let's be friends well you're awesome to be friends with three decades and counting of just incredible service selection uh home innovation spas 20th and highway Two. go see deb the spa lady off industrial road in omaha spasonline.com deb do you have a prediction for me for your chiefs and for your huskers mm. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. I think Huskers will win by 10. Okay. I don't I don't have numbers here in my head. No, that's fine. Chiefs, um, hopefully by two touchdowns. All right. So Deb is calling for a, a win and cover by the Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is calling for a win and a cover by uh, Mahomes and company against Washington. <laughs> Yes, yes, and that will be a great weekend uh, to look forward to. So let's do it. Well, go see Deb. Uh, go pick out your hot tub today. Deb, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Chris. She is Deb, the spa lady, as Chris fervently working to get packed up on the road towards Minnesota. Good show today. If you missed any of it, check it out, ESPNLincoln.com. It's where you find all the interviews. Coach Gary Barnett, Jeremiah Searles, Burke's Best Bets, all uh, interviews we went through today, all available on the ESPN Lincoln website. Before we get out of here, it's your last chance to win a $25 gift card to Jet Splash. They have their haunted tunnel going down out at their 84th and Highway 2 location. That's October 27th, 28th. 29th and 30th from 7 to 10 p.m. But right now, it's your chance to win a $25 gift card. Caller number 6 will win the gift card today. Your last chance. I'll get you a couple free car washes out at Jet Splash. Again, caller number 6, 402-466-3776. That's 402-466-3776. We'll talk to you tomorrow.